I had the telephone conversation with Sholem Aleichem. And Sholem Aleichem was so convincing on the phone that I said uh, we should record this. So I just, um, I'll just ask uh, Sholem Aleichem to let it rip. Well, thank you. So the, what we just finished talking about, I think, is the fact that I think a lot of, most of the Jewish leadership in the United States is just totally, they're, they're, they're lost. They're lost. And uh, the, the Orthodox are completely lost. I mean, the, the Fruma, the, the, the Haredim, you know, and uh, I don't know if I'll include Chabad in it or not. Who cares? But, um, you know, the Aguda sponsoring a, uh, a rally or a mass meeting someplace in New Jersey uh, in a few weeks uh, in support of Israel. Now, get this. This is a rally in support of Israel, which there will be tickets sold. You'll have to pay to get in. Um, you know what? Even our secular Jewish leaders aren't that crazy. Uh, they have rallies for Israel, but I've never heard that uh, federations or whatever it is which sponsors these things should charge to get Jews to come. Most people will come. Uh, you know, this is just totally ridiculous charging for it. I don't care. I wouldn't go if it was free. I would. I just wouldn't go. But uh, it's just totally ridiculous. But he, but you know, even even more so, these people um, they introduce their the announcement what they're doing with a homily about Simchas Torah and Shmini Yetzirah and the, the Torah and it shows that the Torah belongs to all Jews. Well, you know what? A thousand Jews were killed. I think that out of the thousand, and you know, to me it doesn't matter. But let's just say out of the thousand, probably 999 were secular Israelis. So why doesn't the Agudas Israel have this rally in a place outside of the Lakewood, Passaic, Teaneck, Muncie orbit? Why don't they have a rally, a Kiddush Hashem, a rally in Boston, or, or even in Manhattan? But it should, preferably it should be outside. Why don't they do it here in Connecticut, yes, there are no religious Jews. The Fruma have so much damned money, they can rent buses and they can bring their people with buses and cars. But they should be a Kiddush Hashem. You know, the people who were killed were secular Jews. Make this rally in a place where there are secular Jews, not in another place where a bunch of black hats will show up in their fancy cars with their fancy ladies and they'll feel good about themselves and pat themselves on their back. Of course, now they're probably upset that uh, their kids, that some of their kids aren't in Israeli yeshivas and have to be in America, and they'll have to start find uh, new yeshivas here in America, and they won't be able to uh, to announce to everyone that my son's in, um, in the Mir or my son's in the Bris. That doesn't matter. It's only important because that's good for Shaduchim. It, it, it's just... You know, when I saw this thing about a rally, charging for a rally, you know, I want to know, did Ramea Shapiro, did Ramea Shapiro charge to go to the Hanukkah Sabayas of Lublin? Were tickets sold? I mean, were, were, were the, let me go back to the Lubavitcher Rebbe. The Lubavitcher Rebbe charged to go to Fabrengan? You know, maybe that's where Krinsky and Herson and uh, Kunyan went wrong. Maybe they should have charged for Fabrengan. They should have charged $5 for bleachers, 
$10 for general admission, and $40 you can sit up there with the Rebbe. Maybe they should have also charged. You know, the Aguda is clearly a sick organization. To make, you know, to make a rally and charge for it is just total sickness. That's all. It just shows they're so totally out of touch. And you know what? It also shows that they probably don't give a damn about Israel. I mean, of, of course, they have relatives there and they have people there. But you know what? I'm not, I don't know what they care about Israel. I just don't know. Okay. I'll throw the ball back to you. No, no. I, you know, the, we no, spoke I, about I just, this. We, I mean, we spoke no, about the rally at the end, but you, you really started uh, talking about American politics. So why don't we go well, back you know, to American I, politics? I think, I think, from what, I from think what that you can we're say, making, from, from what you feel comfortable I saying. Think my, you know, I will say this right now. I voted for Donald Trump in 2016. I didn't think, I thought my vote was a waste because I'm, my, I'm in a deep blue state. But he won. I voted for Trump in 2020, and I thought he would win. But they stole the election. I don't care that they can prosecute me for 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 breathing. But uh, I, I'm sure the election was stolen. I mean, I don't have facts. I, you know, do you need facts? I mean, you know, I mean, a per, uh, you know, a person can claim that his wife cheated. Does he need to show? I mean, he claims his wife was cheated. Maybe he's right. Maybe he's wrong. But you know, but. I don't think that we should be supporting Trump right now. I think Trump is a divisive figure. I think he's a person who can't keep his mouth shut, uh, as we saw a few weeks, uh, last week or a week ago when he started attacking Netanyahu while the, 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 the dead bodies were still hot. He started attacking Netanyahu. For what? Why is he attacking Netanyahu? I mean, even, even except for a few idiots in Israel, even Netanyahu's political opponents didn't attack him. I mean, we have to unite. So Trump, we're making a mistake backing him. I really think that, you know, the conservative people in the United States should be backing DeSantis or, you know, uh, I don't know, the governor of North Dakota sounds very good. He's been on uh, radio talk shows in New York the last week. Uh, he sounds very good. Um, they're pro you know, I, I I don't think um, uh, Senator Scott Scott what it takes to be uh, to be uh, president, not because he's not qualified, but because I don't think that the conservatives in America are going to vote for a black man. And I, I'm an honest person. I'll say this honest. No one else wants to say it. I mean, in the last three presidential elections, there have been a token black candidate, the guy who was uh, uh, a bank commissioner and, uh, and, uh, and a pizza company executive. I think he ran in 2012 or 2016. Last time it was Dr. Ben Carson. And this time it's Rick Scott. It's almost like it's choreographed by the RNC that uh, there should be a black candidate. But Scott doesn't have a chance of winning. He's a good man. I like what he says. But we should either be backing um, the ambassador, Nick um, Haley, or, or DeSantis. Trump, the, the Democrats and the and the, the power brokers in the United States will not allow Trump to be president, even if he numerically wins, even if he gets the Electoral College, it will not. They will not allow him to be president. And a civil war is not good for this country. And a civil war isn't good for the Jews. It's just not a good thing. And we I think if we if the Republicans switch to backing someone like DeSantis or Mrs. Haley, I think there's a chance that uh, 
the, the power structure in America will allow, if they get enough votes, will allow them to take to be president. Uh, Trump is not going to be president in, in 2024. Even if he wins, he won't be allowed to take to to be president. And if Trump wasn't such a massive egotist, uh, he would withdraw himself. I mean, he's been he, he did something no one else did without ever being a general in the army and without ever serving in public office. He was elected president. No one ever did this in the United States. Either you were a general like George Washington or Eisenhower or Grant or, or, or Zachary Taylor or William Henry Harrison, but, or you were a politician, but no one, no one like Trump was ever. So he's, he's down in the history books. You know, let someone else do it. Let someone else who can unite this country. Trump is not going to unite the country, and that's not good for Jews, and it's not good for Israel, and it's not good for anyone. Uh, so that's my opinion. You know, I don't claim that I have the last word on this subject. But has, has I, I your just opinion, have to say something. Just has your opinion Pardon? changed? Has your opinion changed because of the war? Yeah, yeah. I think it's changed because of what Trump said about Netanyahu. I mean, uh, he, he's just he's he's Trump wasn't worried about the Jews who were killed in Israel. He's worried about his own COVID, his reputation, his honor. That's all his response was, you know, BB, BB, uh, BB is, is garnish because he, you know, and, and as I think I said, I think what Trump said about BB and the assassination there of the Iranian official, I think that's top secret information that Trump, you know, just blurted out because it's all about him. It's not about the Jews who were killed in Israel. It's not about the war. It's not about anything. It's just about him and how much covered the whole world needs to bow down to him. Netanyahu, everyone needs to bow down to him. That's all. You know, and I, you know what? If the election were Biden against Trump, I would still vote for Trump. I mean, you know, I'm not, I don't hate Trump. I just think he's a flawed figure. I think he's a wounded healer. He's a wounded healer. He's a man who has a lot of good qualities, but he's wounded. He's wounded. His own personality has made him in such a, uh, sometimes I think he's such a sick dog. I mean, uh, he can't keep his mouth shut. He's going to end up being in jail for, uh, for, for, not, for, for disobeying the judge, for dissing the judge. He's going to end up being in jail in Rikers Island. I mean, he's crazy. The man is, is he's, he's just lost it, in my opinion. And maybe it's all a big act. I don't know. Maybe he figures the more he's, uh, he's in trouble with the law, uh, and I, I say allegedly in trouble because, in fact, you know, anyone can, uh, any person who has X amount of money, if the federal government decided to look in their income taxes and in their bank loans and in all of this, they could indict everyone in this country. You're telling me that they can't indict everyone in, in uh, what's it called, uh, uh, what's that big investment bank called? I forgot what it's called. I, you know, um, Morgan Stanley and the others, they all the top executives could be indicted with a snap of the finger. All you do is get forensic accountants to go over their records and you indict them. That's what's going on with Trump. It's all nonsense. I mean, Biden had secret documents in his garage. Every, you know, uh, other people have had it. They're, they're still not indicted. Why isn't I, why, why no one said anything? So it's all, it's all a billable. It's all a blood libel. It's against Trump. There's no question about it. But that doesn't help us any. It doesn't help the man in the street any. You know, he's a divisive figure. 
you know, they've 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 succeeded. That's all. The the, the Democrats have succeeded in in marginalizing Donald Trump. They've succeeded in making him into a pariah. You know, I, and we have to accept that. We have to accept that they've succeeded, and we need to support a different candidate. And from there, I want to segue into a different area. And that's the same fruma yidin, these charedim. They sit and they suck up the politicians. And they think in New Jersey and in New York, they think these politicians love them. They think these non-Jewish politicians love them with their beards and their payas and their long coats and their big black yarmulkes. They think that Kathy Hochul just can't get enough of them. And they think that Governor Murphy, bring them on. Bring some more guys from Lakewood on. Bring me the guy who finished all of Shas in two hours. Bring them on. Murphy wants these people. He loves them. These people are crazy. You know, the only reason that these Goyim even look at these people is because they want their votes and they want their cash. They want their cash. C-A-S-H, cash. And they want their votes. Otherwise, they wouldn't even look at them. They wouldn't look at these people. But these people have convinced themselves. And I'm talking now about even hardcore Hasids. Hardcore Hasids. They've convinced themselves that the Goyim love them. And especially they've convinced themselves that conservative Goyim love them, that that conservative Goyim love them. They really love them. They can't get enough of them. You know, conservative Goyim don't love them. I'm not saying they hate them, but they don't love them. They want their money and they want their votes. That's all. And if once the Fumer Yidden realize that, that they want their money and they want their votes, they'll stop running. And, and the Lubavitchers, with, they're the biggest jerks. They built a sukkah this year in the White House. For whom? Does Blinken's wife need a sukkah? Does, uh, does uh, what's his name, uh, Hunter Biden's wife from South Africa, Miss Cohn, does she need a sukkah? Who needs the sukkah in the White House? Ah, but it's all about PR. It's all about the R, and it's all about the Lubavitchers. They also think the Goyim love them. The Goyish politicians come, and they love them. They give them the key to the city. Oh, we love you. We love you. They think, you know what? We, we've got, I don't understand this. I mean, we, we finished the Holocaust not that long time ago. And you know what? I don't think anyone loved the Jews. Who loved the Jews? Who loved the Jews? And, you know, and the truth is still not told about a lot of things that went on in the Holocaust. And one of them is that the only Fakakta country that opened up its Fakakta borders to the Jews was the Soviet Union. And Amer- Jews in America are still not willing to admit that. Menachem Begin was, because Menachem Begin was an honest man. In one of his books in the foreword, he says that Jews have an eternal gratitude to the Soviet Union for allowing over a million Jews to come into the Soviet Union. Now, you're wondering why I say a million, because there were probably only half million left the Soviet Union to go back to German territory. Yes, it's an unbelievable figure, but a half million Jews who fled to Soviet territory in the that was divided in the Molotov-Rippentrop Pact left to the Soviet territory, and a half million came back to the Nazi territory. They didn't like, the food wasn't good. 
that they didn't like the kasha that they were ser- serving in the Soviet Union. So they went back to, uh, to, to, to the Nazi area, and they, there they were served the good kasha, all right. All right, don't not the Riftika kasha. I'm sorry for being so vulgar, but, uh, you know, but over a half million Jews survived in the Soviet Union. Now they sit and cry. We had to be in Tashkent. We have, you know what? Goyim had to be in Tashkent too. And Goyim had to be in Siberia too. Everyone had to be there. And you know what? The Goyim in the Soviet Union had to go to the army and they had to fight and they had to be killed because the Russian way of fighting the war was not the American way. The Russians just sent in soldiers, go in and fight, fight. Who cares? Another 500 men dead. Just, and how many Jews were, how many Jewish soldiers were killed? Who knows how many? Who knows how many? So we're still not willing to, we're just, we're, we're sitting here and we're still taking off our hat to Franklin Roosevelt. He loved the Jews. He lo- now we're getting new apologetics. 20, 30 years ago, we had one wave of things attacking Roosevelt. Ah, the worst anti-Semite in the world. Now we've got a bunch of Jews writing the, the reverse. Oh, he wasn't that bad. He couldn't have done anything with Father Coughlin and Charles Lindbergh. Well, what could he do? You know what? He could have bombed the railways to Auschwitz. That would have helped, no? Or, the, or is that something that uh, Charles Lindbergh would have gone crazy about, right? By 1944, Charles Lindbergh was supporting the war. And Father Coghlan was sitting, uh, giving out wafers in, in, in this church in Dearborn, well, not in Dearborn, and I forgot what little suburb it is of Oak Park, I think, in, uh, in uh, Detroit. I mean, you know, but you know what the worst thing about it is? It's all about uh, academics. Academ- academia is also verdorben, verstunken, corrupt. You know, academics have something to write. So one academic writes X. The next academic says, no, X is wrong. I'm going to write X minus Y. And then 30 years later, a new bunch of academics comes back and says, no, Y is wrong. I'm going to write about X. And you know what? The Association for Jewish Studies, that Fashtunkino organization, you know, which uh, includes all these Jewish studies professors, most of whom teach Jewish subjects like American Jewish history, Holocaust studies, American Jewish literature, Hebrew language, sociology of the Jews. Most of, you know, they did a survey around 20 years ago. The vast majority, something like 80%, admitted that they don't know Hebrew. So here we have a field called Jewish studies where the vast majority admitted that they don't know the language Hebrew. Amazing, amazing, amazing thing. And now, they they issued some sort of watered down uh, con- condemnation of the attack in Israel. You know why? Because most of them are to support BDS, and most of them are in favor of Black Lives Matter. Most of them are just, you know, the the whole Jewish the whole Jewish scene in the United States is so corrupt. And you know, no one. We had a big thing in Washington. Uh, uh, people were arrested. You know, why they were in charge with a rebellion against the United States government with insurrection beats me. Why weren't they charged with insurrection? I don't know. You know, but this this demonstration was Jewish. It was sponsored by Yidalach, by the Yidalach. They sponsored them. And the Yidalach were the people who came there. And, you know, the Jewish media is silent about this. Why? Because the Jewish media... It is embarrassing, I admit, but if we don't know our enemies, and one of our enemies are not only Muslims and other groups, but our enemies are Jews. Our fellow Jews are our enemies because they don't know any better. 
but we're not going to do anything about it because we're embarrassed. And, and you know, maybe not. Maybe the thing is that even the Jewish media is, is totally corrupt, too, and is not really in favor of Israel. Because there's still, all these people are still talking about a two-state solution. They're still talking. We had a two-state solution, Gaza. And look what happened. Look what happened. We had an invasion. A thousand civilians or more were slaughtered. That was the two-state solution. So we saw this two-state solution. So when Biden talked about two-state solution, the schmuck Schumer should have gotten up and said, Mr. Biden, you are wrong. You are wrong. And the whole Jewish caucus and the Senate should have looked at their dicks and see that they're circumcised and gotten up and told Biden, you are wrong. You are wrong. The two-state solution did not work. But, you know, the whole country's, uh, the whole Jewish scene is, I, I, I don't see any, uh, you know, the people in Lakewood and the people in Flatbush think that everything is hunky-dory. They think because they're wearing blinders. They're wearing blinders. You know, in my years of working in a Jewish institution, I met hundreds of people like that. Jewish kids, nice Jewish kids who thought that, that the whole world was like the five towns or, or like Muncie. And when I told them that the latest figures uh, of the Pew studies show uh, over 75% intermarriage rate uh, among non-Orthodox Jews, they couldn't believe it because people are wearing blinders. They go to Orthodox schools. They go to Orthodox summer camps. Many of them even work in pseudo-Orthodox uh, workplaces. They don't know. They don't know. Simply don't know. This is, uh, you know, this is the, the, you know, they don't know. And, but to, for these grown people, rabbis, they know better. They know better that things are not hunky-dory in this country, that most of American Jews are rapidly assimilating, that most American Jews are either intermarried or their children are intermarried or their siblings are intermarried or they themselves are, are already the results of an intermarriage. I mean, look at Blinken. I mean, Blinken, they, they claim that Blinken has a half-brother who's an Orthodox Jew. I don't know. Maybe he does. But Blinken's intermarried. Everyone's intermarried. I mean, you know, I don't know what who, if Schumer is intermarried, but I guarantee you that his children will be intermarried or his grandchildren. And, you know, when I, when I first arrived in New York City in 1972, intermarriage was on the front page of all Jewish media, uh, midstream magazine, uh, commentary, schma. That's all people were talking about, intermarriage. Now you can't talk about intermarriage. Why? Because it's a reality, and everyone is intermarried. Everyone's family has at least one, if not more, intermarried uh, people. So you, it's, it's forbidden to talk about it. And that's why you have these Jews, uh, if not now, Jews, uh, Jewish voices for peace. I guarantee you that 70% of those people are either intermarried or children of intermarried people or, or people with less than four Jewish grandparents. That, that I can guarantee you. That I can guarantee you. But you can't talk about it. We should be embarrassed that they had, you know, I, I was watching some, uh, some Fox uh, news. They had two, uh, two, um, Two people behind uh, reporting the news, and a woman was reporting the, about a statement that um, Sanders, Bernie Sanders, made. 
about which is which is apparently anti-Israel. And uh, the other guy, and it wasn't rehearsed. The other anchor got up, got up and said, "Well, isn't isn't he Jewish? We should be embarrassed in front of the goyim. How 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 disgusting we are that you know we have these fifth column right among our myths." You know, there's a synagogue right here in the town that I live in. There's, it's not a synagogue, but it's a congregation. They don't have a building, and they have a rabbi, a woman rabbi. And their identification of their synagogue is not that it's reform or not that it's um, conservative or reconstructionist or polydox or whatever. No, their identification is the mending minion. That's what it's called, the mending minion, colon, an anti-Zionist Jewish organization. That's that's what it is, and 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 the the ma- their basic definition is that they're anti-Zionist. I I once met a, uh, a acquaintance of mine who who became an Atur Kartonik. He became an Atur Kartonik, man who was very troubled in my opinion, and he put on the whole uh, Yushalmi dress, and uh, you know, and one and months later, I happened to be in a car with him. And uh, he was giving me, kept on telling me about Matur Karta. And I asked him the $6 million question. You know, okay, the Satmar Rebbe, I told him I've read the Satmar Rebbe's stuff, and the Satmar Rebbe is anti-Israel. I said, yeah, but where does the Satmar Rebbe say that you have to support the PLO and the Arabs? That I never saw in his books. And he, he, was, he, was, he couldn't answer me. And I say the same thing to the Mending Minion. I say the same thing to all these Jews. Okay, you don't want to support Israel? No one's forcing you to give money to uh, the United Jewish Appeal or whatever it's called now. But where does it say that you have to be militantly anti-Israel and support the Arabs? Where does it say that you have to support the Arabs, the good Arabs who slaughtered a a thousand Jews in in Gaza? But, you know, they don't know that in 1929 in Hebron, there was was a slaughter of Yeshiva Bacharim, the Arabs came and slaughtered in all sorts of mission mishunas of, 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 of unbelievable, horrible ways that they killed these people. I don't know how many people they killed, 70, 80. Went on for a whole day. Went on for a whole day. You couldn't, the British just sat there and smiled and, and, and drank tea and smoked their pipes. That's what the British did. Great people the British are. So this has nothing to do with Zionism, nothing. The Arabs are just a bunch of lowlifes. That's all they are. They have, they, you know, they haven't hit Western civilization. They need a reformation. Everyone knows that, but no one wants to say anything. No one wants to say anything in the United States either. You know, I, I, I read last week that the president, uh, some Jewish uh, pinko woman, I don't remember her name, was spawn stabbed. And she was running a, she was the president of the inner city Jewish congregation in Detroit. Now, anyone who knows anything about Detroit. It happened this Shabbos. It happened this Shabbos. What? It happened this Shabbos. It happened this Shabbos. Yeah. Right. Right. But anyone who knows about Detroit knows that Detroit is probably 99% not white. Probably. You know, I know I was there and I, I was, I was in, um, what is it, a suburb where they're Jews? What is it, Oak Park? I don't remember what it's called. Uh, and uh, I wanted to uh, see uh, 
uh, downtown Detroit. And I asked a few of the people there, Orthodox Jews, how do I get to downtown Detroit? And they looked at me like I was uh, like I was just relieved from state uh, asylum. Why would you want to go there? And I said, well, I want to go see the museum. It's supposed to have a very nice museum. They said, you know, go to the Internet. You can see the museum on the Internet. But there are these progressive Jews who want to go, want to live, want to live in, the, in these neighborhoods. And so she was the president of the synagogue and she was found stabbed. So I wonder. And, Detroit, and you know, I was in Detroit. I know Detroit. There has a huge Arab population. They're not all Muslims. A lot of them are Christians. And I'm not saying they're bad people. A lot of them are, you know, people when I was there, just regular people trying to make a living, working hard. But obviously amongst them are also uh, people who are really, uh, you know, really not good people. So I don't know. And, you know, right away, of course, the, our, our, the people that the Haredim love, our police, our politicians, right away they say we don't have any clue as to why she was stabbed. Well, wait a second. I mean, don't you have brains or did you leave them in, in the, in the uh, Democratic clubhouse? I mean, there are brains. I mean, there's a, there's a war going on in Israel and your city has a huge Arab population and she's the president of the synagogue. Doesn't that, uh, can't you connect the dots? Now, I, I'm the last person in the world to say that there should be collective guilt. But, you know, isn't that a lead? Isn't that a lead? Wouldn't a normal detective use that as a lead? No, not, not, in, not in woke America. In woke America, no way. In woke America, if a husband and wife have a fight and the wife is found dead, no, the husband isn't a, is not a suspect. No, the suspect is probably some person who lives 400 miles away who once uh, had a loan with the wife and gave her $10. That's the suspect. You know, America's a sick country. It's just a totally sick country. I mean, the country is completely, you know, uh, my parents used to say America needs a strong man like Stalin for a year to put this country in order. Now, of course, that's it wasn't meant seriously. It was just meant in, in speaking, because when you have a strong man, he doesn't give up after a year. He doesn't give up. A strong man only is carried out or shot. Trujillo in Dominican Republic was riddled with bullets in his car uh, and uh, uh, Stalin dropped dead and Hitler killed himself. But a strong person doesn't give up. But America needs a strong president. America needs a strong president to put an end to this shoplifting, to put an end of a, of a culture of murders, of, of shooting in Chicago and Baltimore, New York, all over. But we don't. We have weaklings. We have weaklings. And, you know, Trump didn't do very much either. Yes, he did. He was good to Israel. No doubt about it. But he didn't finish the wall. He had four years to do the wall. He didn't do it. He could have gotten rid of Cuba. He didn't do that either. Didn't that didn't get rid of communism in Cuba, didn't get rid of communism in Venezuela. Now we have uh, potential communism in Colombia, you know. Uh, you know, I'm not going to, I mean, we were talking before about the Ukraine. I don't think, I don't have energy to go talk about the Ukraine. Uh, but, you know, I, I acknowledge, and I think, you know, I, I don't want to talk in the name of anyone, but I think many political scientists would acknowledge that, the, that Russia has in security interests in the Ukraine. 
you know, first of all, traditionally a good part of northern Ukraine and Crimea was Russian. That's all. Two, Ukraine just has no history of being independent. The only time they were so-called independent was between 1918 and 1920, approximately. And their major accomplishment then was to kill 200,000 Jews. That was their major accomplishment. And I'm sure many Ukrainians were proud of it and are proud of it, that they killed 200,000 Jews. It's, it's, it's a pretty good achievement without, without the technology of Germany. It's a pretty good achievement. But leaving that aside, I mean, Russia has security interests. Does Russia want a NATO ally on its southern border? No. Would a, only a stupid country like the United States will allow Cuba and Venezuela and now Colombia to be communists and be at their borders. Only the United States will do it. No other country would do it. No other normal country with security interests would allow this sort of thing to go on. You have to assume that America is not communist itself. <laughs> Very good. You, you got me there. You, I have no answer. You know, it's a funny. You, you, uh, you got me. I have no answer. You're right. You're absolutely right. But Trump didn't do anything either. Trump didn't do anything about Cuba. He talked a lot, but he didn't do anything. Trump was a great talker, but he didn't do anything because Trump was probably thinking that he could go to Havana with the Godfather. He can go to Havana and he can get some COVID there. That the communists, just like in North Korea, that he, gets, he can get some COVID. You know, because it's all about COVID for Trump. It's all about, you know, he could go to, to Havana and they put out the red carpet for him. So, you know, but why? If Trump had sneezed, the, the new second generation of Cuban communist leaders would have, would have folded. But he it's, didn't it, do anything. It's, it's amazing. He it's amazing. So such an accomplished man and have a weakness that he's really hungry for. Uh, for COVID, like you say, well, you hungry see, to, you can see to be complimented. Nothing is ever enough. Yeah. And I don't know how many times. But you say in, insatiable hunger for for approval, which is which is like first prerequisite of a man that not not to rely too too much on approvals, and be uh, oblivious to approvals. But oh, here is like the all all he needs. You can buy uh, you can buy Trump chip with few compliments. Absolutely. Look at North Korea. Look at, uh, you know, other countries. You know, they, they got Trump, you know, oh, he, he, it was beautiful. The word he can say it was beautiful. I mean, let's forget about it was beautiful. Let's say it was ugly. But, you know, you have to accomplish something. And, you know, he, he talked a lot, but I don't know how much he really did. I don't know how much he really did. You know, uh, Cuba, you know, he should have gotten rid of, of the communists in Cuba. You know, it should have, you know, he, you know, well, and, well, unfortunately, he didn't. Forget about Cuba. I mean, we, we're standing in the precipice of the war, uh, which the world is not going to be yeah. the same after this war. I mean, how, how do you see it, really? I, I, I don't know how the war is going to go. I mean, uh, I, I, you know, people are going to laugh at what I have to say right now, but I harbor doubts as to whether uh, BB is going to send in the uh, Israeli army into Gaza uh, in, in the way he talked about it, which was a complete um, organic invasion, not just a series of attacks here, there. I, I wonder about it. I'm beginning to wonder, is he really going to send in the army? 
Um, you know, I'm not, and I'm not saying I'm not the Lubavitcher Rebbe. I don't give tactical uh, advice to the Israeli army. Like the Lubavitcher Rebbe gave tactical advice that they should go to Cairo in 1973, and they should go to Damascus, and they should go to Baghdad. You know how many Israeli lives would have been lost if they followed the Lubavitcher Rebbe's advice? Another five thousand. But what did he? What did he really care? I'm not saying he was a bad person, but what did he care? His people weren't serving in the army by and large, so you know, so secular Israelis would be. But he did say it. He's, I mean, it's black and white. To paraphrase Lubavitcher, Schwartz advice. He said the Israeli army should go to Cairo. What would they do in Cairo? All they would do in Cairo is the UN would go crazy and force the Israelis to go back and leave behind another 500 or 1,000 people dead. And the same thing is true going to Damascus. What would they have accomplished in Damascus? Uh, Russia, Putin would have banged his uh, shoe on the table and said, you know, get them out of here. And they would have to leave. And what, what would that have That's accomplished? Khrushchev, another not, not thousand. Putin. I know. I'm yeah, not yeah, aware yeah. of that. But uh, <laughs> Putin, Putin probably would take off his loafers. And uh, bang, bang, done. But, but uh, I don't give military advice. But, but really, you know, you know if, if listen, the the West has been taken over by uh, woke and Muslim sympathizers. Um, the the Muslim jihad has won. I mean, they've taken over England. That's for sure. I mean, I I get this daily uh, online from a Jewish daily from London, and the number of anti-Semitic incidents in Greater London since the war is unbelievable. I mean, it's unbelievable. And, and the same thing in France. And, you know, the United States so far is more or less insulated. I mean, we don't have, we have a lot of Arabs, but percentage-wise, not that many. But, you know, leave it to Mr. Biden. He'll, he'll allow another million Palestinians into this country for the sake of peace, of course. And that'll be do it. That'll do it. I mean, I never saw here where I live. I never saw women uh, with their Muslim head headgear. I never saw it. But the last five years, places overrun with such women. I mean, these are Syrian refugees, Afghani refugees. As they say in Yiddish, Alasort and Shratzioran are are they're all here. They're all in the United States. You know, they never heard of refugees in place. They never heard of it. We have so many allies. We send so much money overseas. You know, uh, you know, there are refugees from Syria. Couldn't we tell um, Mr. Hussein, His Royal Highness uh, Abdullah, uh, you know, like my father would call the, the Hashemite kings, the Melachevion, Melachevion. Couldn't we call, couldn't we uh, tell them, you've got to take in 50,000 Syrian refugees? You know what? I think Hussein and his brother uh, Abdullah probably killed themselves before they took in 20 Syrian refugees. So send them all to America. Why not? This is a great country. We'll send them all to America with their daggers, with their swords, with their anti-Semitism. I mean, the Jewish organizations in America are sick, very sick. Mayor Kahana once said, when you beat a Jew, what is, how's, what's his response? Hey, me again. Jews are sadistic. Hayas and Ayana and other Jewish organizations that are supposed to support Jewish immigration have nothing to do. So the normal thing would be is to go out of business. The Soviet Jewish immigration ceased. Go out of business. Take the money. Give it away to, to worthy Jewish organizations and say sayonara. 
we did what we did since 1881 and we're out of business. No, they, they can't go out of business because hundreds of, of Fashtunkana Jews who don't want to work, they don't want to work. They're working in, in all these organizations. They're not going to give up their jobs and their jobs are well paid. They're well paid. They're not like Rabbi Hankin on the Lower East Side who lived in a house with a table with three legs and a sofa that was 150 years old and, and took $30 a month from Ezra's Torah. These are people making $100,000 a year they're, or more. In New York City, it's more. They're, they're going to give up their jobs with Hayas. No, a job uh, Hayas quickly segued into dealing with Arab refugees. Of course, why not? It's the Hebrew immigrant, Hebrew, uh, what is it called? Hayas, Hebrew Immigrant Aid Association. Well, it should change your name at least. The Muslim Immigrant Aid Association. No, and they spend Jewish money on bringing in these Schwarzjörn into the United States. And do you think, even if they're not going to be violent, they're going to vote. And are they going to, and when they vote, the same friends of the Haredim, Governor Murphy, uh, Kathy Dokel, and all these people, hey, wait a second, they need Muslim votes too. And if the Muslim votes outnumber Jews, they're going to get up there and give the same stupid speech they give about Israel now, our Muslim brother, and we need to support them. We have your back. We have your back. You know, doesn't anyone see this, that everything in America is just about money and politics and votes? Come on. I mean, none of Biden's a friend of the Jews. Come on. And, and you know what? The secular Jews don't know better. They just don't know better. But the religious Jews, they should know better. A Yid should know better. Should know better that we have no friends among non-Jews. One of a thousand are, are from the Tzadikah and the but, but instead we run to them and unbelievable, just just unbelievable. Kathy Hochul, she's at the Kesel Maravi. You can't get enough pictures of Kathy Hochul at the Kesel Maravi. Can't get enough pictures of her. Meanwhile, you know, crime in New York is spiraling out of control, and she's at the Kosal Maravi. Don't do any favors. Don't come to the Kosal Maravi because you're going, coming there just for photo ops so you can run for re-election. Stop it. Stop it. And the Jews should tell her, just cut it out. We know what you're all about. We know what all you politicians are all about. You're all about votes. And if there are more Muslims than Jews in New York City and New York State, you will be supporting the Muslims. You will be talking about getting the back, having the back of the Hashemite kingdom, having the back of Gaza. I mean, who, who's out there who's going to disagree with me? I mean, and yet, you know, it, it's, it's, it's very sad. It's just very sad, you know, and uh, because there's no strong Jewish organization in the United States. Where are all these organizations? American Jewish Committee, American Jewish Congress, the ADL. The ADL is the greatest Jewish organization. The Gemara tells us that before, uh, before Mashiach comes, everything will be topsy-turvy. Well, the ADL is the classic organization. They're talking about anti-Semitism. Who are the anti-Semites to them? The Appalachian Mountain people. They're the anti-Semites. The, the whites in Oklahoma, where the Jewish population in Oklahoma is probably 4,000 or 8,000, they are the people we're supposed to worry about. We're supposed to worry about uh, some madmen in, uh, in Wyoming. Wait a second. Who's attacking the Jews in Crown Heights every day? Who's, 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 who's spouting 
Yeah, I mean, I heard the uh, I heard the uh, what's her name speech, the two Muslims speaking, and who got up and applauded them, and and the standing ovation. I don't think it was the Republicans from uh, from Kentucky or uh, Republicans from uh, from Tennessee. I, I, maybe I was wrong. I don't think so. But the ADL, this is the ADL is completely fashtunkun. You know, they 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 already. They, they're saying that Trump is the anti-Semite, of course, because they're covering their own base. They're the anti-Semites. The Democratic Party is, is full of the anti-Semites. Some of them are Jewish, like Bernie Sanders. Some of the anti-Semites are Jewish. We know that. And the ADL doesn't want to recognize it. They do know it. But they live in New York. I told, one, I told an ADL leader once, or something, put on a beard, Call yourself by a Jewish name. Don't call yourself Timothy uh, Timothy Smith. You put a, get a Jewish name. Put on a beard. Put on a black hat and walk the streets. See see who the people who love you are. See those people who love you. But no one Maybe. no one wants to. Someone is just to to wrap it up. Is there anything to say about events in Israel? I, I don't know what's going on in Israel. You know, um, I am happy to see that at least most of the government is united. And uh, I don't, as I started saying, I don't think BB is going to, my own belief, I, I don't claim I have any expertise in this at all, but I'm beginning to doubt whether BB is going to have an invasion of Israel. If he doesn't, uh, of, uh, God, Gaza, I'm right? sorry. Yeah. I, I, if he doesn't, then Israel might as well turn off the light and, and go as the uh, secular Israelis threatened to do last summer and go to Portugal, um, you know, because that means that the um, Hamas did have a victory there. And the only way that Israel can show that they didn't have a victory is by providing justice. And that's the word. It's not revenge. It's justice. Justice needs to be served and it needs to be served in a, uh, in a, It needs to be expedited, uh, Justice. And it, but so far, I don't see it. I wonder if Mr. Biden didn't get a quid quo pro that he came, as, as uh, you said, or uh, I believe you said it, he provided Bibi with photo ops and with uh, smiles and with hugs. And in return, Bibi may have uh, told him that uh, there will be no invasion. I don't know. Maybe tomorrow I'll be proven wrong. I mean, uh, as I say, I don't. My uh, expertise in this is very limited, but I'm beginning to wonder. I'm beginning to wonder what's going on. You know, um, and every day, in my opinion, that's missed gives Hamas more time uh, to, um, to move the hostages, to build tunnels, to, uh, you know, I don't even know if all the hostages are still in Gaza. I mean, I don't know. Who knows where they are? You know, um, you know. They, they, um, I don't know if Israel has had a blockade on the sea on the Mediterranean. It may have. I'm not aware of it. may have blockaded it. I don't know, even if they are in Gaza. I mean, it's like saying that all the hostages are in Manhattan. So are we going to have a house, house search from Inwood to the Lower East Side in Wall Street? I mean, uh, come on. You know, um, I, I don't know. I just don't know. And and you know what? These Arabs are smarter than I thought they are. They released two hostages 
and the idiots in the world now think they're good people. It's like this, you know, it's like the famous story: a guy burns, sets fire to to an enemy's house, and then he runs in and calls the fire department, and he's a hero. But meanwhile, they burnt the house down, just like they. This is what they did: they took uh, 200 hostages, and they're going to leave. They're going to let. Uh, they'll leave a few more go, and it all gives them good publicity. So I don't know. Um, I mean, the world opinion because of the Muslims in Europe is turning against Israel. I mean, um, if, if world opinion big matters. Big time, turning in big against time? Israel. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people in America, I mean, this is where I think all these Jewish organizations are totally crazy. I think there are a lot of non-Jews in America who also think that Israel is getting too much money from, from America. And, and you know what? They may be right that Israel doesn't even need some of this money. Israel is a, is a European country. It's not a third world country anymore. Israel exports arms. Um, you know, Israel for its own sake should, should uh, stop, uh, should request America cut back its, uh, its funding. It doesn't need all this money. You know, I, I'm going to sound like a hater myself now, but it doesn't need this money because it just leads to anti-Semitism here. And a lot of, a lot of Goyim, and I'm not accusing them of being anti-Semites, but a lot of Goyim in America see Israel as just soaking off the United States. That's not healthy. It's just not healthy. And even if Israel's standard of living were to go down a notch by not having American money, it's well worth it. It's well worth it. You know, most Israelis, I guarantee you that most Israelis live better than I do and than you do and that many of our listeners do. And that so, note... I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I mean, I can only imagine once um, the Israeli army does go into Gaza, if it does, let's say it does, uh, what world opinion will happen then? Because what's it going to go into Gaza with a carrot? Israeli soldiers are going to have carrots instead of, uh, of Uzis? No, they're going to have to come in with Uzis, with flamethrowers, with grenades, with air cover, this is going to be a public, uh, public uh, opinion disaster for Israel. But who cares? I mean, this is where I think Lubavitcher Rebbe had some wise comments. See, I'm not a, I mean, people in Lubavitch uh, accuse me of being paranoid schizophrenic. I'm not schizophrenic about Lubavitch. I see Lubavitcher Rebbe as saying some wise things, and he did say some wise things that, you know, we need to be, uh, you know, Royce tried in the Golis Finjich. And, and he's absolutely right about that. You know, Israel has to be proud and do what it needs to be done. Uh, you know, but as far as uh, going to Cairo, and uh, and yet, you know, I always say this, he, he told Israel to go to Cairo and told Sahal to go to Damascus. But when the Israeli Air Force bombed Tunis and the PLO, which fled to Tunis, he went crazy. Why? Because he had two shluchim in Tunisia. Yeah. That's why he went crazy, because Pinson was living in Tunisia, and he went crazy that he thought that Pinson would be harmed. Pinson and his ribison would be harmed, so Lubavitcher Rebbe, he, he, he went crazy. I remember that, Fabrengan. And he went crazy, attacking Israel, though they're harming, they're putting Israeli lives into, in, and they're putting Jewish lives in, in danger. Well, wait a second. There are more Jews living in Damascus at that time than there were in, in, in Tunisia. 
by, by Israel going into Damascus, that wasn't putting Jewish lives in danger in Turkey and Iran? What's he talking about? So he had his interests too. Lubavitcher was not a person who did not have self-interests. He had self-interests. And this was best shown by this thing in Tunisia, with uh, where Ari Pinson was there, and this Rebetzin was there. There may have been another Lubavitcher. I'm not sure. I don't think so. Uh, so three people at most were there, and the Lubavitcher ever went crazy. Well, you know what? Israel did the right thing, bombing the, the hell out of the PLO in Tunisia. It did the right thing. So... I don't know. I mean, once once Israel starts a land war in uh, Gaza, public opinion in the world is going to go crazy. And it's especially uh, difficult now that now inside the Western countries, the situation is is very hard with with all the immigrants and all the woke anti-Israel settle, uh, sentiment. It's really dangerous now. It is. And uh, because the war is a two-front war. I mean, I don't mean about Hezbollah and Hamas. I mean, the war Israel is going to fight there. And the war in Western Europe and the United States. And some of these countries, like Canada, seems to have turned to uh, to the Muslims, uh, as they say in Yiddish, but Titans, even before a land invasion. They're, they're coming out and condemning Israel. And, you know, I don't, I don't trust Biden, and Biden himself may, you know, he may be still from the old school. He may have residual uh, pro-Israel feelings. I don't know. I didn't follow his career. I know he's been a liar for since I can remember. He's been a plagiarist and a liar, but I don't know about uh, his feeling towards Israel. But let's say he has been the pro-Israel. Let's just say that. But uh, the Democratic Party certainly isn't. I mean, a lot of Democrats are not pro-Israel. Um, so uh, I don't know, quickly a land war or Israel, you know, it, people think that this is going to be a surgical strike, but Bibi said it's not going to be a surgical strike. It's going to be a war that's going to take a long time. He's indicated that a number of different occasions. A long time means that the anti-Israel forces are going to have a long time to work out plans to uh, to uh, harm Israel. That's all. I, I, and whether they're not going to harm Israel from London, but they're going to do their best to uh, to uh, stir up propaganda and get governments in these countries uh, to to adopt the anti-Israel policies. That that's for sure. You know. Um, so I don't know. I mean, uh, uh, I mean, I would like to say that I don't care what the world thinks about Israel. I would like to say that, but you know what? We, we do care because um, we do need support. And I'm not even talking about money. We just need international support. And uh, so I don't know. All right. I, I just... Yeah, I just have to. What we started off before in our discussion, uh, I just don't know if America has enough um, money and resources to supply uh, Israel, Taiwan, the Ukraine, 
I mean, can America really support all these places? I don't think so, personally. And I think we, we're going to have to prioritize. And um, that's why I think Israel would be best off slowly but surely weaning itself from American money. Right now, there are probably a lot of people in Israel who are making a lot of money from America, from American aid. Because like any other country in the world, a good part of this aid is probably embezzled and uh, and siphoned off by all sorts of people. But if Israel were, were really serious, they would begin to wean themselves off American aid. They don't need it. They don't need it. Israel is a tremendous arms industry. It exports arms all over the world, including to countries that are enemies of Israel, like China. I mean, China buys weapons from Israel. You know, um, and I'm not going to criticize them. Israel needs the money and whatever. But we don't need we don't need American uh, money. And I think, you know, people accuse Rand Paul of being anti-Israel. I don't think so. I mean, I think Rand Paul, uh, you know, he just doesn't think that Israel should get all this foreign aid. And I think Rand Paul and a lot of other isolations, including uh, Tucker Carlson, they're not anti-Israel. They're not anti-Semitic. They just think America's overextended. America can't solve all the problems of the world. I agree and disagree with them. I agree with them partially. I disagree that America has to keep its eye on what's going on in the world. We can't live in a vacuum. But on the other hand, we can't, what, can we give $30 billion to the Ukraine? Is the Ukraine ever going to defeat Putin? Never. We know that. Never. So what does this accomplish? It just accomplishes many, many people are killed. The infrastructure of Ukraine is being destroyed. And then who's going to rebuild the Ukrainian infrastructure? I say this with a smile. We are. We, the taxpayers of America, are going to rebuild the Ukrainian infrastructure. Now we're giving them $60 billion to buy arms and destroy the infrastructure of Ukraine. In a year or two, we're going to give them $60 billion to rebuild the infrastructure. Can this go on forever? You know, Biden should get off his high horse, go to Warsaw, tell Putin to send some high-ranking person, tell Zelensky to show up, and broker a peace. And if Biden can't do it, then Trump will do it. And if Trump can't do it, someone else will do it. But someone's got to do this. Well, I think this Trump is, is not going to win. What, what's, what's all of a sudden? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I don't think he's going to win. I don't think he is going to win. But uh, someone's got to do it. Someone has got to do it. And right now, I don't think that Biden has any interest in all of this. What, does he really believe that, uh, you know, that um, Zelensky is going to destroy the Soviet Union? Does he believe that Zelensky is going to march into Moscow? I mean, uh, what is his, what is his, what is Biden's view of the end game? And that's more important than, than what my view is. I mean, what, what is Biden's view as the end of all of this? That Zelensky's uh, Ukrainian army is going to march into Moscow? You know, I don't see it. I mean, and does he, you know, it's ridiculous. I mean, fine, Ukraine has proved itself that it's not going to surrender to Russia. Fine. Okay, we got that. I'll give them uh, kudos for that. But, um, you know, now it's time for peace. You know, now it's time to sue peace. I, I don't, I'm not an expert about the situation, but 
clearly Russia has interests in the Ukraine, both people interests, cultural interests, and uh, security interests above all. Uh, they do not want NATO ally on their southern uh, belly, and I don't blame them. I wouldn't want it either. Only a, a stupid country like the United States would allow a communist ally, an enemy ally, on its southern belly, namely Cuba and Venezuela. But, you know, a normal country wouldn't do it. So what we need to do is broker a settlement there uh, with territorial changes. Uh, Northern Ukraine should go to Russia. I, I, I'm not an expert about which territories and what territories, but clearly there are areas there that have huge Russian populations. People speak Russian. People are part of the Russian culture. Those, you know, and America should guarantee uh, um, Ukraine, Ukraine's independence. America and England and France, of course, that's worth the same thing uh, that, that it was in September 39, when England and France guaranteed Poland's independence. My father was in the Polish army, and my father said, said the Polish officers always said, told him, Menka, Menka, Daigenit, don't worry, they said in Polish. In Polish, they told him, France will come, England will come, we have nothing to worry about. Sure, they came, right? They really came. So, but, you know, I'm getting off on tangents. Um, America should, in return for uh, Ukraine uh, territorial uh, changes, America should guarantee Ukraine, Ukraine's independence. And I say that with, uh, you know, I'm not a friend of the Ukraine, as everyone probably knows by now. Uh, I'm not their friend. I don't forgive them for killing the hundreds of thousands of Jews since uh, 1648. No one can forgive them. It's not my business to forgive them. They haven't asked for forgiveness. Uh, if the, if, if uh, Zelensky and the heads of the Ukrainian, all the Ukrainian churches, the Ukrainian Catholic Church and Ukrainian Orthodox Church and the Unia Church, all of them, a team of 100 people went to Israel and asked for forgiveness and took Petluria off their currency and took uh, other schmucks off their stamps and everything, maybe, you know, and maybe if they uh, also made us a settlement of, of a few million dollars, of a few billion dollars to Israel, maybe that would, that would go a long way in, in, uh, in uh, soothing some feelings that are really boiling. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. What's her name? Roseanne Barr, who is a comedian. Yeah. She yes. was, uh, someone sent me a video. She was on a late night show and she went crazy. She attacked the person and said, what are you talking about? The Ukrainians killed my grandparents. The Ukrainians killed my, my aunts. I didn't even know she was Jewish. I'm not, I don't follow entertainment. I don't know, but I did hear her name. So I give Roseanne Barr a lot of credit. She came out and said what a lot of Jews I'm sure are thinking that, uh, wait a second, this country, you know, to say that Ukraine is the second most important country to Jews besides Israel is crazy. It shows a complete lack of understanding of Jewish history. You know, um, so, you know, I'm not a friend of Ukraine, but given what's going on in the world, I do propose, you know, that America guarantee Ukraine's uh, sovereignty, but the borders need to be redrawn. That's all. And I don't think that would affect Ukraine's uh, at all, because um, those parts of Ukraine that would be given back to the Soviet Union are really part of the Soviet Union. Russia, no Soviet Union. Russia. 
Well, they're really part of Russia anyway, both culturally and historically. And uh, I mean, you know, most Americans don't know the first thing about Ukraine. Ukraine was never independent. It's never independent. Uh, in, in, before modern times in the 1600s, it was part of Poland. And, uh, you know, people think the Poles love Ukrainians, the Poles hate Ukrainians, and the Ukrainians hate the Poles, and the Serbs hate the uh, Croats. Everyone hates each other there. But one thing they all have in common, they all hate the Jews. That, that's, there, there, you, uh, there you can bring peace. You know, maybe the way of making peace between Russia and uh, Ukraine is by signing a treaty that they'll both attack Israel. Then, then maybe they'll uh, they'll they'll uh, they'll all agree on that. That because that's what they, every all all those countries agree on that. That the Jews are awful people. They're awful people. And the Ukraine, Zelensky is an interesting um, fig leaf for Ukraine. They have a Jewish prime minister. How can we be anti-Semites? We have a Jewish prime minister. We can't be anti-Semites. You know, we can't be anti-Semites. You know, we have a Jewish prime minister. Is Listen, Russia wasn't, uh, Soviet Union was, was not much different in the early days of Soviet Union. I think half the members of the Presidium were, were Jews. I mean, half members of, uh, when Lenin was in power, they were Jews. Did they adopt uh, anti-Jewish measures then? You know, I don't think they were anti-Semitic, but they certainly adopted measures that, that, that hit Jews more than other people. Uh, you know, Jews controlled a lot of the factories in Russia. Jews, a lot of the capitalists in Russia were Jews. So, you know, but it was, how can we be anti-Semitic? And of course, idiots in the United States bought that. Uh, they, they bought that stuff. Oh, come on, Trotsky, uh, uh, Kamenov, I don't know who else these people were. I don't, Zinovev, was he Jewish? I don't know. They all changed their names anyway. So, um, but there were plenty of Jews there. And there are plenty of Jews in the, uh, as you uh, noted in some of uh, your posts, there are plenty of Jews in the, uh, what is it called, Gepeyu or Enkavada. Uh, there are plenty, as a matter of fact, there are more Jews probably there than any, than any other nationality. Um, yeah. So till, th- um, till 38, till 38. Oh, to, that's pretty late. That's pretty yeah. late. You know, so there are a lot of Jews in, in it. And of course, that was a good fig leaf for Russia too. How we're anti-Semitic? Nah, we closed all the Yiddish secular schools. Nah, we're not anti-Semitic. We nah, we do, we're not anti-Semites. God forbid, you know. Look at this. We or this man's Jewish. That guy's Jewish. Uh, you know, this is the same thing. I I used to listen to Radio Moscow when I was a college student, and it was a very it was fascinating to listen to. I mean, I realized it was all propaganda, but it was still fascinating to listen to. And they brought out all sorts of Jewish generals, General Dragunsky, General Milstein, other generals who were still serving in the Soviet army in the 1970s and 60s. You know, what? Russia's anti-Semitic. Vinyamin Dimshitz is the vice premier of the Soviet Union. I mean, how can we be anti-Semitic? How can we be anti-Israel? You know, they were anti-Israel, but, uh, you know. So it's the same thing with the Ukraine. Oh, we've got this great guy, Zelensky. He's our prime minister. How, how, who, we have, you know, in the New York Times two weeks ago, there's a full page ad Sunday by some Ukrainian American organization who I never heard of, um, saluting 400 years of Ukrainian Jewish coexistence. Uh Now, I've heard of everything. I've heard of everything. That, that beats them all. That beats them all. I mean, if someone was going to salute German Jewish coexistence, you know, I would laugh. 
because until 1933, yeah, I mean, uh, wasn't great for Jews in Germany, but whatever, you know, wasn't the end of the world. Um, but Ukrainian Jewish coexistence, someone's got to be kidding here, you know. But getting back to our subject, I'm willing to support an American guarantee of Ukrainian sovereignty in return for some sort of peace, because this has got to stop. All right. Very good. I, Thank I'll you. just leave one last. Yeah. I, can I just say one last please, thing? Please do. I am not. I'm not an expert about um, uh, world affairs, military strategy, or anything like that. I know not more than any of the listeners know. So I was just expressing my opinion, and it's not a question of my having any knowledge, um, and probably a lot of my listeners may know more than I do. Thank you. Good disclaimer. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.